you have an inquisitive mind? Where do you go for answers? Imagine if the natural world held an answer to every question. Welcome to the Flowerhood Weekly Podcast. I'm your host, Alex Frankfurt. I'm on an orchard growing avocados and there's something going on. The more time I spend in nature, the more I learn about myself. Is it possible that until we connect with nature, we never truly flourish in our relationships, community, businesses or health? Oh boy, this is no ordinary gardening podcast. Join me at my kitchen table for wide and varied conversations with old and new friends from around the world. I'll be asking questions on how they connect with nature, what the research shows us, and look for ways we can incorporate these learnings into our lives. Let's get started. Kia ora. Hi there. Welcome to another episode of the Flowerhood Podcast. Thanks for returning to listen in. And hey, if you're new, big welcome. Nice to have you here. I'm Alex, sitting here at my kitchen table on the avocado orchard in New Zealand. And I've got young Braveheart, the male head of the house, my cat, on my lap. So if you hear a bit of purring, that's what that is in the background. Today's episode is pretty much me rambling on about roses. Oh my gosh, that really is the worst pun. And I promise you, no more. Roses. It's November here in New Zealand, and I have just had a spectacular display of roses. A couple of years ago, I put up a trellis to run the whole length of my cottage that I'm currently in, and I planted a number of climbing roses. I should say, did I plant them? Or it might have actually been the tenant who had the cottage at that point. But it was in discussion with me because I remember doing the actual buying of them from a rose producer. And what I was really after was a wall of old-fashioned variety roses curling around the window frames. I, I had this vision and it included planting between all the roses lavender bushes the ones with those really thin, dark blue spears, the Hidcott lavender. And then the plan was to have the windows open and my rooms to be filled with the aromas. And after a few years of pruning and training, I'm finally getting the effect. My office window is surrounded by Madame Alfred Carrier. Now this is a rose with these kind of large, cupped, creamy white blooms tinged by pink. And back in the 1930s, Vita Sackville-West chose Madame Alfred Carrier as the first climbing rose to be planted in the rose garden at Sissinghurst in England. And it still covers the walls of the South Cottage there. Originally, though, the rose was actually bred in France in, oh, cool, back in like 1879 by Joseph Schwartz. And romantically, he dedicated his rose to his wife. Alfred Carrier, who was the chief editor of Revue Horticole, famous horticultural publication in France in the 1800s. So I'm so happy with it, as it's got that old-fashioned tea rose perfume that I just love. So all is going well. It's blooming marvellous. Oh, sorry again, another pun. But 
had to say it. Yes, so all is going well. And until I noticed, to my horror, the other day, that the heads of all the new flowers outside the office window have been broken off. And I was like, what? What's happened there? I had no idea. I had to get on my old sort of Nancy Drew sleuth pants on and think, well, how, how has that happened? Well, I discovered how it happened because I walked into the office in the afternoon and there was my juvenile delinquent cat, Braveheart, outside on the windowsill, biting off the heads of the roses. I couldn't believe it. So what I kind of deduced was that he must have been pricked by, (laughs) this is so crazy, this story, but he must have been pricked by one of the roses multiple times, thinking he was being bitten. He decided to bite back and has been biting back ever since. So has now managed to bite off pretty much all the rosebuds around the window area, or at least all the ones he could reach. So roses, much loved by humans, not by my cat. I wonder if cats in Rome loved roses. They would certainly have had to put up with them because it was a really popular flower there, very much revered by the Romans. They would walk around with strings of roses around their neck as necklaces. I think it's a really lovely, lovely idea. And when Romans said things like, hey, psst, this is under the rose. It was deemed to be top secret, whatever you're saying. There's a very romantic story of Cleopatra covering her bedroom floor with a foot and a half of rose petals in preparation for the arrival of Mark Antony. She wanted him to forever associate the smell of a rose with her. Hmm... How's that for creating an anchor in love? Yeah, very interesting. And she is a really interesting, fascinating woman. She's obviously really into aroma perfumes. Shakespeare wrote, The purple sails on Cleopatra's barge were so perfumed that the winds were lovesick with them. And they say that she wore a fragrance which was a mixture of resins like balsam, myrrh, and then spices like cinnamon, cardamom, iris root, saffron, and the herb marjoram. Wouldn't it be interesting to try and recreate that perfume? Hmm. wonder if anyone or any of the perfume companies out there have had a go. Oh my gosh, perhaps that's what Dior based poison on. Do you remember that coming out in the 1980s? Those actually, some of you are probably a bit too young. Some of you might not have been born then. Oh, but in the 1980s, you could stop a party if you arrived wearing that. It was so strong. And then I just had this thought. I remember my older sister used to wear it. Sorry, Sonia. I don't think she listens to this podcast, so I probably got away with that. <laughs> I guess it's still available in the shops. Hmm, wonder if she still wears it. So roses, beautiful roses. There's over a hundred species of roses. 
And it's such an incredibly old flower. There are fossils that have been found dating back 35 million years. And here's a few interesting facts to get your head around. One of the largest rose bushes is a white lady banksia in Tombstone, Arizona. And it spreads over an arbor that covers 9,000 square feet. The world's largest private rose garden is in Cavriglia, in Italy, in the Tuscany region, with 7,500 varieties. Gosh, how I'd love to spend a May day there. That would be so beautiful. And that is going on my top 100 things to do list. The roses, they grow fruit. You probably know that already. The fruit is the reddish colour, the rose hip comes after the flower and it's full of vitamin C and you can make jams and jellies and marmalade from it and you can actually press it as well filter the hips to make a rose hip syrup and the reason rose oil is so expensive probably because it takes about 10,000 roses to produce one teaspoon of rose oil and they use two different types of roses that tend to make the oil. One's the damask rose and the other one is Rosa centifolia, which is also called cabbage rose. I kind of think that probably that one's actually a hybrid of damask. Though I'm not 100% sure of that, so could be corrected on that one. So the reason I wanted to grow roses was, yes, they are beautiful to look at. And for me, it's more, I guess, that I really wanted to stop and smell the roses. So this is one of the most powerful metaphors in my life. What does it mean for me? It's it's about stopping that busyness that we have, that go, 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 go thing that is happening for so many of us, that constant toil, that constant striving. It's to stop and then to appreciate the moment right here, right now. So every day I make sure I go out and I smell my roses. Every day. If I'm walking in the city and I spot a rose, <laughs> I'll go over and smell it. And yeah, it's kind of sad because some of them have had the aroma bred out of them. But then I guess on the other hand, that just makes when you do find one that has a perfume so much sweeter and you really, really appreciate it. Mmm, yeah. It makes makes it so special when you bend down and you discover one that takes you back to your childhood memories of old rambling roses, green lawns, warm summer days, or perhaps storybooks that you used to read with rose red and rose white, or or exotic eastern enclosed gardens with perfumed air, warm nights, rooftop gardens, magical carpets, genie lamps. Nikolai Tesla, the inventor, said, you know, if you wish to understand the universe, think of energy, frequency, and vibration. Everything vibrates. 
The universal law states that everything in the universe moves and vibrates at one speed or another. So it kind of makes sense that humans also vibrate. So I really wanted to find some scientific studies on the aroma of roses and the effects on humans. And unfortunately, there's just not that much out there. It seems like back in the 1990s, there was a biologist called Bruce Tinio. I hope I pronounced that right, because I think it's got an A in it, T-A-I-N-I-O. Just call him at the moment, Bruce Tinio. And uh, he had this private passion as an inventor and a personal love of energy and quantum physics. So he invented several instruments which minimise environmental stress from electromagnetic frequencies. And he also supposedly invented a machine that could measure humans, diseases and essential oils, the frequency of them. Doesn't that sound fascinating? So there's these claims that a human in optimal health vibrated between 62 and 70 megahertz. And then something like, say, cancer would vibrate at around 42 megahertz. Now, rose oil, supposedly, a whopping 320 megahertz. And supposedly, and I think supposedly because, to be honest with you, I've been trying to find these studies and I'm not finding a lot of papers on it. I'm just pulled off information from a few websites. So, you know, really, I don't know if this is scientifically corroborated, but supposedly there were studies where participants, while holding a cup of coffee, one participant's frequency dropped from 66 megahertz to 58, just by holding the coffee. And another participant drank the coffee and his frequency dropped from 66 to 52. Now, after inhaling an essential oil, their frequency returned to normal. Now, that kind of sounds unbelievably exciting, don't you agree? And you would think that there would be lots of studies that kind of came out of that. But strangely, I can't actually find them. Now, one thing that they had said, I believe it's on, I'll have to check, it might be on the Tineo technology website. I will check that though and perhaps pop in in the show notes. It said that John Hopkins University had used this equipment to establish a relationship between frequency and diseases. So far, I have been unable to find any papers on that. So look, if there's anyone out there who does find that, I would be so interested in seeing it. So who was Bruce Tineo? Well, he grew up What I do know is he grew up on his family farm and worked on strawberry fields. He absolutely loved nature, dedicated his life to science, studying biology at Eastern Washington State University, travelled extensively studying native plants and crops around the world, and he became a plant breeder, developing hundreds of varieties. He started up his own seed company, Tineo Technology, and developed a line of natural produce based on enzymes and beneficial bacteria to enhance the health of crops. Very interesting. And like I say, hey, do drop me a line if you ever find any confirmed double-blind research papers on the subject. I would 
so love this to be true, and I would love to find out more. I mean, I am from a non-scientific background, but I've got to say, without any confirmed knowledge, I just have this feeling that it kind of makes sense to me. Like, you know that feeling when someone has a very low vibrational state? You, you might walk into a room and you feel that there's a person there on the other side of the room with almost like a black cloud around them. They seem heavy and dense. Often when someone's sick, you know, they also kind of give off that sort of that vibration of, of density, heaviness. On the other hand, you know, you can walk into a room and, and you meet someone who just feels so light. They really feel like they're vibrating from a high energy place. Their mood is elevated. They have more energy. They glow. It's like looking at dark and light, one dense, heavy, the, and the other almost ethereal. And the days when I walk outside on the orchard and I go and smell my roses and I look at them and they seem like an ethereal creature, delicate, uplifting. And those qualities, they rub off on me. I feel lighter. I feel more joyful. And of course, I'm extremely grateful for their existence. Here's to those beautiful ethereal creatures, roses. And it's a short podcast this week, but I really kind of just wanted to share a little bit with you. And, and I have this wish this week. Step outside. Step outside. Banish the busyness. Take the time. Take the time to go and smell the roses. Thanks so much for joining me. Look forward to having you tune in again. All the best. My heartfelt thanks for listening all the way to the end of this Flowerhood podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. Please subscribe to the show, like and review it on your favourite player. Be part of the greater Flowerhood community. Join the Flowerhood Facebook group and find show notes and information at flowerhood.com. I can't wait to share the next episode. Until then, hey, why not stop and smell the roses?